Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Colby Cast, your place for community and conversation about pop culture and storytelling. On this episode, Caleb, Luke, and I are going to go over our thoughts on the last episode of Season 3 of The Mandalorian, Chapter 24, entitled The Return. And uh, returning for more are Caleb and Luke. So, hello, Caleb. Hello. Hello, Luke. Hi. So, what did you guys think? Uh, Season 3 has come to an end. Uh, I thought it was quite a thrilling episode. Very fast-packed. The action was incredible. Love to hear what you guys have to say about it. Uh, Caleb, you want to go for it? The best part of the episode and everything Star Wars ever is angry Din Grogu's face. His reaction (laughs) to seeing Din Djarin in danger was perfect. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah I it was great. It. Loved seeing that. Yeah. Luke, how about you? Um, I thought it was a good episode. To be honest, I thought the finale of season two was probably better. Um, but the action in this was incredible. Like just seeing that many Mandalorians fight in live action was just it was incredible. I loved it. I've been wanting to see something like that forever. And I know a lot of other people were too, because I saw a lot of people saying like, ever since I first saw Boba Fett, this is exactly what I wanted. Um, I, I did think that there were a couple cheesy moments and a couple cheesy lines that threw me off a little bit. Um, like uh, Moff Gideon saying, no, I'll take them myself. Like, okay, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, other than a couple cheesy moments, I thought it was a great episode. I think that those cheesy moments, I just, to me, those are like part of the DNA of Star Wars, right? What Star Wars property have we seen that it doesn't have some type of cheese in it right going back from the beginning so whenever i see those goofy little moments it just sort of makes me laugh because it reminds me that this is this is star wars this is pulp this is fantasy there's like a a, what's it called a um an adventure of the week type show even though this season was structured a little bit more differently but whenever i do see and i agree with you there was oh another thing that was more like fun not necessarily cheesy but like a like fun moment was the the mouse droids attacking r5 or quote unquote attacking i love that that was awesome did you see one of them fell off he did he just trucked him like like i don't know if it was the rocket that he had in the sides and and i always love seeing rockets come out of the arms of astromechs we've only seen that with r2 so it's nice to see that r5 has that ability to um but yeah so those fun moments it reminds me of what star wars is really for and, and it really is for kids primarily first and foremost and then the rest of it is is awesome coolness for the rest of us. Uh, but I, I agree the action in this and Luke, you, you brought it up from like going back to, you know, when I, when I first saw Boba Fett empire strikes back, you know, he just has a couple of cool scenes. Um, Return of the Jedi, which AKA uh, by the way, 40th anniversary being re-released in theaters and in, in a few days. Um, Boba Fett sort of comes to an unceremonious end in that. And we only get to see his, 
his jetpack ignited like as he gets whacked in the back by uh blind on solo so some people were upset at that they didn't you know they didn't think that was a cool way for him to go out but you know i i'm all i'm, I'm all right with that and then we get a little bit of jetpack action with Django Fett, right? In the in the prequels. Um, but when they started to introduce Mandalorian stuff in the Clone Wars, like that was just brand new for all of us. We had never seen so many Mandalorians at once. They did use jetpacks. They we got to see Mandalorians in action, and it was animated, which we're a big fan. We're big fans of. I'm not complaining whatsoever. But you're right, Luke, to see them all in live action and as many as we saw they're all in their unique armor and they're all like falling out or falling through the sky igniting these jetpacks um you know when they get into the the part where uh they're actually flying towards each other in the cave and bo katan has the dark saber out she's charging forward and the armorer has her barbecue tongs right ready to beat people up with her uh with her blunt force objects come on that was awesome that was so just incredible i need to apologize to uh the voices in my head that heard the internal commentary when i was watching um when i saw her pull out the dark saber i was like yes this is amazing incredible love it and they showed the armor with her hammers and i was like are you kidding me are you serious right now? <laughs> they couldn't have given her a blaster or a gun or anything. And then she goes and is just absolutely working those guys. And I was like, all right, my bad, my bad. That's That was my fault. Would you rather get stabbed by the Darksaber or beat up by the armor's weapons? Definitely Darksaber. I 100% agree. I would not want to get hit and then possibly survive and live with the damage done to my face and my that's brain. what i was thinking like you might not die from it but you're definitely out of the battle so you're just laying yeah. there in pain watching all your friends die speaking of that and the attacking and the fighting i don't know about you guys but let's switch to din Djarin here real quick um i got some real john wick vibes from mr din because now we know his surname is din and not Jaren. uh from mr din he was I mean, the, the fighting, he's always been an awesome fighter, been a fantastic fighter. Uh, but this was like, I was sort of surprised at the level of violence that he that we got in this episode. And of course, it's not graphic. So I'm not trying to say that there's blood splattering or anything like that. Right. So um, it's not I'm not saying John Wick level, but some of the choreography was really fantastic. And like Mr. Jaren, I'm sorry, Mr. Din is like doing the whole two shot thing where, you know, he shoots, he shoots one and then just does one for one more, you know, just to be sure. Um, we got a hallway fight scene with him in the beginning. That uh, was um, those two. That was sort of like Mortal Kombat style. Like you beat him and you go to the next one and the next one had like different weapons and stuff. And I loved that. I thought that was so cool. I agree. Um, yeah. Before, before I get to my thoughts on that one, I want to do, uh, I was not expecting Grogu to come around the corner with his no, no, no. He just came in and, and like he, he saved the day, right? Cause Den had, uh, he had his, that, that cord wrapped around his neck. And I wasn't sure how he was getting out of that, but Grogu comes around the corner and just handled business. Um, 
and I'm thankful. Like last week, I brought up a possible murder baby scenario, and we I'm glad we didn't have to deal with that because you know that would have the angry face enough, Caleb, that you referenced was uh, was scary for me to see. Like he was legit angry. <laughs> I think we were a few steps removed from murder baby because I don't think he's able to yet. But that doesn't mean he's not going to be able to soon. Oh, he's able to. Season two, he was choking out a stormtrooper. That's a good <laughs> point. But what I'm saying is he's not out here like slashing people up and dismembering them. So I'm glad. And I hope that once he's able to do those things that he does it. But if I saw a little Grogu coming at me that way, I would have I would have turned. I would have just jumped. Jetpack or not, I would have just jumped off that balcony. I'm out. <laughs> for Mandalore? No, for me. I'm out. <laughs> um, still, let's stick with the uh, action theme for a while because it really was. The action has always been great on The Mandalorian, but this one was on a scale and a scope that we hadn't seen yet. And it was not just, um, you know, a big battle scenes with a bunch of Mandalorians going at it, but it was a little bit of an air battle a little bit of uh, like a battle with between groups of, of uh, fighters. And then you had individual battles because of course, Din and Grogu were off there trying to get Moff Gideon and Caleb, I think you referenced it uh, when he got to where those troopers are in their uh, red shield little, I mean, first of all, what a boring assignment, right? You got to stand there like shields on both sides of you. Just, I get it. He has to, they have to guard what we found out were Moff Gideon's clones, but um I would, I don't know. That's like the, the guards outside of the palace there in England, right? Uh, what, are, what is it called? Um, those are the royal guards where they have to stand there and not talk to anybody. Anyway, uh, yes, Den Djarin, when he got R5 connected, scomped into the system, by the way. And I love that word, scomp, scomp into the system. And he's telling them to uh, bring down the, the shields one at a time. I picked up on that too. One of you referenced it where... He went in there with no weapons and then he's just picking up new weapons by everybody that he's defeating. Uh, And I loved the thing, like another thing that was violent, he's like stabbing people with knives. We don't usually see that right in star Wars. So he's, you know, stabbing them up under their helmets. One of them falls off and he's like grabbing for the blaster as he's falling off, trying to grab it just because he needs a blaster in his hand, but he didn't. He just dispatched two and then he dispatched four. He picks up a shield. He's picking up those cool purple glowy weapons. And I just thought that was, uh, I I got video game vibes, right? Um, He's just, he's leveling up so he can fight the main boss. It was like a super Mario thing. Uh, Yeah. So um, what did you guys think about that whole, whole thing? And then let's talk about going in and seeing the clones. Uh, Give me your thoughts on that whole sequence. I thought it was cool. I thought, the fact I, that's one of my favorite things about the Mandalorians, though, is they're resourceful. They just try and make do with what they have, and if they have nothing, they get something. Whether it's a rock or a Beskar, uh, what is it? Staff, whatever it was, spear. Um, yeah. They just they make it happen, and I liked a lot um, Bo-Katan's statement of oh. We don't need trinkets. Mandalorians are stronger together. So not only are they resourceful yeah, with really cool. their their toys, I guess, but they're resourceful in using each other. And I think it's sort of poetic that that was the line they choose they chose for her to have in her dialogue, 
because she's very obviously trying to continue to connect all the Mandalorians and get them to stick together on Mandalore instead of having them divided like they had mentioned so many times. And she's the one who's leading that. She's the only one who's very obviously has one foot in each camp and wants to continue to prove that whether she's in front of the masses or not. I thought that was really cool. I agree. Um, Luke, what did you think about the reveal with the the clones were Moff Gideon and then not only Moff Gideon's clones, but that he had tried to isolate the force so that they could actually manipulate the force and be put in those sort of Mandalorian dark trooper armor. I mean, that would have been a pretty formidable foe, but what, what did you think about that reveal? I... I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was cool, but I think seeing that something like that earlier, like if they had shown that that was happening earlier in the season, then I think it would have made more sense. But it, like we barely saw Moff Gideon for the first time last episode, right? This season? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for this season, yeah. So it was six episodes, six weeks without seeing Moff Gideon plus whatever time we had off between season two and season three. And now there are force clones. I think I wasn't a huge fan of the way they went about it because it was like, you see them and now they're gone. And if they had dropped an Easter egg about it earlier, or if they had shown something to like show the progression of it in the time that we didn't know where Moff Gideon was, then I think it would have made a little bit more sense and it would have been more powerful that they were destroyed. But I think that was sort of second to retaking Mandalore, which I don't think it should have been. Yeah, I thought... It's interesting. I thought thought of it and reacted a little bit differently. I'm glad that it didn't take away from us learning more about the Mandalorians. But I think the Easter eggs were dropped from the introduction of Moff Gideon in, in The Mandalorian, where there's an obvious reason he's trying to get Grogu in season one. There's an obvious reason he not necessarily has an obsession with, but he definitely has a asphyxiation with The Mandalorians as a whole. And I think they did a good job of tying it in and having him exit. Hopefully, I don't want him to come back again because he's, like, quote-unquote, been... What is it called? Egg, exiled and has now died, but has come back from the exile. So I don't want him to make a, a re-return. But <laughs> having the clones be introduced and then wiped out, I'm sort of glad that it was just that quick little blip. Because to me, it was a nice tie-in to all those points I already made. But it wasn't taking away from what I wanted to see in just... Just the Mandalorians. Just give me more of the Mandalorians. And it still let Moff Gideon be the antagonist. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And, you know, after every season is complete, we can all go, you know, pick through the the ashes and see, you know, what could they have done differently and whatnot. And, you know me, I just ride the roller coaster. So uh, they definitely made a choice to give us more context about the new Republic and the state of the galaxy through this season. Right. And that was through episodes, you know, like that divisive third one, the convert, and then some exposition through different episodes, like this, the shadow council, 
they chose to give us some more context that way rather than Luke, to your point, following Moff Gideon more. I mean, they definitely could have put uh, a storyline through the whole season of him on that base doing things, you know, sort of pulling strings from the shadows. Um, Caleb, to your point, they could have even gone more towards the interpersonal relationships of Mandalorians when they're trying to get the two groups together. Yeah, so at the end result, uh, at the the end of season three, I, I was satisfied. I felt like it was cool. But we'll, I want to actually get into our overall thoughts on season three uh, after we're done with the episode. Um, so the action, we've been talking about it for like 20 minutes. The action was fantastic. I was wondering character-wise, though, because there were so many theories and and there's so much discussion for the last week before the season three finale dropped about who, if it was someone going to betray them, what's the status of the armorer? I know even I was, you know, a little bit worried about the fact that she had spiky helmet, like Moff Gideon came walking out with. Um, people were wondering about Axe Woves. Uh, people were wondering about an, an unseen character coming out of nowhere. And we got none of that. We got no betrayal. We got no, even some people were talking about those, the, the Mandos that were there, like the refugees that were, have been there for so long by themselves. We got none of that um, sort of, there's no big twist and I have my thoughts about it, but I want to hear what you guys think about that. What did you think about everybody just being on the same page, fighting for each other and taking down, it was a very straightforward, let's take our planet back type of situation what did you guys think about that i was good with that i didn't need anything more um i was a little confused because it it seemed like they were planting sort of seeds of that right um you know the title of the episode was the spies and so i i didn't really know i didn't know what the point of it was to be honest um and I, I, i was okay with it um but I still think that it could have been um, it could have been focused on Moff Gideon and all of that stuff. Maybe not in this past episode, but in other episodes. I really feel like there was space for that to make it make a little more sense. You're talking about the the like the title, the spies from the previous episode, and what that was all about. Yeah, yeah, and just back to like the Moff Gideon Force clones guys. Like I feel like it could have uh, it could have been revealed a little bit sooner so that we sure. could be expecting that you know. Sure. Yeah, I see your point. And they really didn't. I, I still don't know who the spies were supposed to be from the title of that episode, but maybe it was a misdirect. I don't know. Caleb, what did you think about that whole uh, that the way that that turned out? I think the spies were the Mandalorians coming down from the what do they call it the captain ship. Is that what they called it? The the ones that were up in the upper atmosphere. Yes. Yeah, the, the, uh, like the, light, the light cruiser. Uh-huh. Yeah. They were the volunteers who came down to, I think they were going to come spy on the planet. I think that's how I justified it in my head. Oh, okay. okay. Other than that, I didn't really expect any betrayals. I'm glad to see that it wasn't. I think they made a good distinction in saying, yeah, like, oh, Death Watch is no longer, doesn't exist anymore. And to me, those are the only so-called bad Mandalorians. Mm 
while everybody else has the same sort of ethics, just has different way of portraying them, helmet on, helmet off type of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But ultimately, they all want their planet back. And I'm glad that all of them stuck to that. And there wasn't just one like snake in, in the grass, you know, so they let the bad guy be the bad guy. And I'm, I loved seeing, like you guys mentioned, the dozens, maybe even hundreds of Mandalorians fighting in live action and Axel being the uh, sort of unsung hero, trying to distract everybody, make sure that that can be the decoy. And then I was very glad to see that he jumped out and survived because I thought it would have been completely stupid to have him just go down with the ship that's already going down. It would have just been a waste of a body. And he's he has the potential to be a very good leader and a very influential one within the Mandalorians. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, they He was in season two, right? In a couple episodes uh, with... Um, with Bo-Katan actually maybe just the one episode where they, where they were introduced Bo, but he really came into his own in this season. He, he's a character I would like to see more of going forward. And, um, I agree with you that if he had gone down with the ship, that would have been just an, a choice that didn't make any sense because, and it sort of goes with anybody that has a jetpack on their back, <laughs> except for pause Vizsla, because pause, he, he was in that fight to the death. He was not going to, he was not going to run away, not to mention his heavy gun was connected to his jetpack, and you saw the jetpack sparking. So yeah. who knows what condition that would have been in if he had ignited that thing to try to get away. I don't think that that was an option, but every other Mandalorian with a jetpack on their back, I'm always saying, don't die. You have a jetpack. <laughs> and, <laughs> In, in my own running commentary. So when he was, you know, sort of like holding onto that chair, first of all, I was thinking, oh man, this light cruiser is coming in. It's going to destroy everything. And Grogu and Din and, and Moff Gideon and Bo-Katan are all there having that fight, uh, which will lead us to another point of discussion down the road in a minute. But yeah, I was glad to see him, you know, bust out that window and fly out too, because you're right. That would have just been a waste. It wouldn't have made, um, a whole lot of sense if he would have just he he would have chosen to stay there and die. It was like the scene with um with Rhodes and Captain America where he's like, "So why'd you crash the plane?" He was like, "There were bombs on board. You couldn't have jumped out." He was like, I "Had to protect the civilians." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he didn't have a jetpack either, but he was Captain America. He probably could have survived a fall. Um, so, yeah. So, so that there's that. Then I was I wanted to finish my thoughts on the whole no betrayal thing. I was happy with it as well. I like the idea of them having unity and the armorer really being sort of their spiritual leader, while Bo Katan is their leader leader uh their practical leader and now more than ever it seems like they are united those um those mad max mandos they're on board they even showed them look we have this garden like and that was a a a plot thread going all the way back to the clone wars where nothing was living on the surface they were living in these domed cities so now we see that no there's the potential for actual 
um, terraforming on the pl- on the surface of the planet. So that's brings a ton of hope, and who knows what else we can see going forward on Mandalore. Two things: one, we're going on a on an adventure, so buckle up. Um, I'm ready. In the last Airbender, the animated series, Boomy puts Katara and Ahsoka in like these crystal Ahsoka. rock things around their wrists as he's testing Aang. And he's Wait, back up. Throw. Wait, you back said up. Ahsoka. Ahsoka? Ahsoka. Is this oh, a newsflash? Is Ahsoka <laughs> in the last Airbender? Because I want to rewatch it now. Exactly. Wait, so, aren't they the same voice? No. Oh, uh, no. I'm, I goofed that. But, but, but maybe they should you, be. You know There's what I'm talking Yeah. Yeah. Boomy puts uh, Katara and what? And who? Katara and Sokka. So, okay. And they have like these rock bracelets that are like crystal that keep growing and growing as uh, Boomy's testing Aang. You guys remember that mm-hmm. now? I told you guys mm-hmm. it was an adventure. We took a wrong I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, U-turns are allowed. <laughs> it starts to grow and grow and grow. And then he passes the final test. And then he just cracks the, the crystal, just starts to eat it, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I really hope that that is the same material as what's all over Mandalore. I think that would be so <laughs> funny just because, like, it's covered. Like, this green crystal thing is everywhere. And that was my biggest thing is, like, are they going to build, like, a giant machine to destroy it all? Are they going to nuke their planet and hope, like, it terraforms? <laughs> Like no, they're going to eat it because it's rock candy. Exactly. They're going to use it and they're going to re- be resourceful like Mandalorians are and eat the crystal. My question, though, for you, Mr. We're on an adventure here is, um, is there like a chewy chocolate center at the in the middle of all the rock candy surface of Mandalore? No, it's more of like a, uh, a gushers. You bite it <laughs> and it's like a, a, a chewy sour candy. No chocolate. I feel like if we ate the surface of Mandalore, it'd be more like pop rocks. Like they would just start fizzing <laughs> in you. That's true. And I just set myself up to, this is going to sound like a joke, but I'm only being kind of serious. Two Mandalorians walk into a bar. <laughs> they already have their guns ready. Um, <laughs> where were the foundlings? I want to see my homies. I want to see... The, the baby bird dinosaur homies who they killed their mom, they were nowhere to be. Great <laughs> question. Where are they? They they weren't on the – if they were on the light cruiser, that's a bad thing. They oh. just forgot about <laughs> two of their people, three of their people. Where are they? I need more the jet of packs, I wanted jet I packs could so not ready have... for them to eat these Mandalorian um, <laughs> imposters and just like – like take over that would have been amazing that is definitely a plot thread that they just let lie they did not pick that up ever again but they could be on navarro like when they they're like okay we're we're gonna go take mandalore we're gonna leave these little guys here because that's not gonna be a good environment for the baby pterodactyl things so exactly maybe they're there and in that same episode they emphasize very very much that the jetpacks run out of gas. They used their jetpacks so yeah. much in the last two episodes of this season. They refueled. They refueled. Oh, okay. That's fine. No. Um that Grief Karga I, gave them extra batteries when they were hanging out in Navarro. I believe it. 
but that's not to say that it wasn't on the forefront of my mind the entire finale. Was like, <laughs> These guys are rockets everywhere. How are they not running out of gas right now? So in the Clone Wars, we saw them flying around quite a bit. So I, I didn't think too much of it. I just thought like when they were on that weird planet that they were low on supplies and fuel and stuff like that. And that's why they ran out. That's a good point. Or just the the nest was just super, super far. So that helps me enjoy it that much more. Okay. So what you're saying then, that makes sense. Because if they were on this planet for an undisclosed amount of time and they went flying towards that monster that had grabbed Ragnar they were not fully charged right off the bat, right? They were low on fuel from the get-go. So they exactly. just burnt through whatever they had. And then when they went to Navarro, they were able to recharge them fully. I'm yeah. good with that. We made I'm it work. It. Yep. We made it work. But we and and we did also determine that the little the little um baby raptor things, whatever they called that monster, uh are on Navarro. And I'm sure they went back. I think Din probably like hooked him up to his fancy Mustang of a hot rod spaceship and put <laughs> big helmets on him and flew him over to Mandalore before we got to the end of the episode. What if they also can go to light speed and just go oh, like hyperspace? Purpose? Yeah. They just, yeah, thank you for your help. I'm out. Now they're just hanging out with the Purgles because they like that life better. Exactly. I can go, I can get behind that. Um, two important things that I wanted to get to before we call it a show. Um, let's go with the dark saber first, because I want to hear what you guys have to think or have to say, or what you think about the fate of the dark saber. It's broken. It's destroyed. It's the dark saber is no longer in play from what it, they make it seem like. I mean, sure. We can go through and say, Oh, it could be repaired and this and that. Yeah. All that is true. But as of right now, there's no more dark saber. So what do you guys think about that? That choice, that decision that um, Favreau and Filoni have made to sort of take the dark saber off the table. Luke, what do you think? I'm not a fan of it. I get, I get what they were looking for, but I'm not a fan of it. I think there's so much history in that. And I think that the approach of saying like, oh, well, we're going to rewrite our history sort of goes against the fact that they're trying to rebuild Mandalore. And I guess it goes back to the gardens a little bit, right? Like, you know, they don't need to build it as it once was. They can build it to be better. But I feel like the Darksaber really could play a part of that. Um, and we also, we didn't get to see it as much as I wanted. I wanted to see somebody, like, bo was very competent with it, but I wanted to see her use it more. I agree. And she didn't really get to, and now it's destroyed. So unless they rebuild it, I don't think we'll ever see it again, and that's a little disappointing. Interesting. I Caleb, thought, you said you agree. Yeah, I agree. I am going to keep it PG-13 and call it a very dooky way for it to be destroyed. Because if it was <laughs> going to be destroyed, I thought maybe it fell into like a pit of lava or it was literally exploded into bits. no. Moff Gideon and his super suit just crushed it with his fingertips. And I get it. He has this extra strength in this suit that he's built out of Beskar and stuff. But like Luke, I wanted to see Bo-Katan just tear through everything and anything that came her way just to show that she was the rightful ruler. I also, like Luke, understand that 
they're trying to make it different, saying that they don't need the Darksaber to have a ruler and leader of Mandalore. But that's not to say that I don't want them to use these giant great forges to rebuild it, remake it, whatever. But to me, that is easily the coolest thing about the Mandalorians, which is the Darksaber. Because I can't exactly say build it and turn it into a lightsaber because they already exist. It's called the Darksaber. So I'd like right. to continue to make it that way. But I I see what they're doing. I'd like to see if it makes a, a comeback in a different way, way down the line, even if it's the last Star Wars thing to ever be created, which I hope we never get to see. The last thing is infinitely make more. But I don't necessarily I didn't I didn't like it. Um, I was shocked. I was really surprised I didn't see that coming. Like we were all waiting for maybe some important person to die or be sacrificed. And the surprising death was the Darksaber. Like I I did not see that coming. Yeah. But I reacted, you know, strongly as well from the, from right off the bat when I saw it. I couldn't believe that they did that story-wise, but then the more I thought about it, even by the end of the episode I had worked it worked through in my brain. I actually like it. I like it as a story choice because the whole theme or not the, not the whole theme, but one of the big themes of this of this season is unifying um, Mandalorians. And we had the children of the way and their ways. And then we had the one, the, the Mandalorians that were not part of the children of the way and their ways. They were able to come to a, um, a happy place between the two groups but that other group still was very, very rigid in their belief that they need a someone to brandish that dark saber in order to lead Mandalore, and that's just not true. That that is a I feel like the dark saber has become a stumbling block for Mandalorians, and they use it as an excuse not to cooperate with each other, which, like Bo-Katan said. Mandalorians are stronger together and that has to be the message. So in that sense, I'm a big fan of it because now that takes that stumbling block out of the way and the Mandalorians can actually come to a place where they where they choose to follow a leader. Now whoever that leader is, it also sort of goes back to Satine. Satine in the Clone Wars was a pacifist, right? Now that did not work out because she was an extreme pacifist and that sort of led to the rise of Death Watch and whatnot. But in this way, they don't have to choose a leader through violence. They don't have to choose a leader through someone being beaten in combat. They can choose a leader who they want to lead and who they want to follow without the Darksaber getting in the way of that. Um, so story-wise, I think it's very compelling and it could mean a lot of things going forward. I don't know. We'll see what it means, whatever it, it we have left to watch. Um, but... I was I was a fan after I put some thought into it as a fan. At the same time, though, it did hurt. It hurt to see that thing because that is one of the coolest modern weapons that Star Wars has come up with. But again, how many lightsabers have we seen destroyed and rebuilt? I mean, Anakin exactly. went through like 150 of them in, in episode two, Attack of the Clones, in the first place, right? Not only just um, lightsabers, but hands as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, nobody lost their limbs either in this episode. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I, I thought it was an interesting story choice and one that could mean a lot more than just face value. But yeah, I'm going to miss that sound. That sound is it's one of the coolest sounding things in Star Wars to be in, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. So any that that's that that wraps up everything except for the last big thing that I wanted to talk about, which was one of the most beautiful moments, I thought, uh, for me in modern Star Wars. Um, and if you guys looked up on Wikipedia, Grogu is no longer Grogu already on Wikipedia. He is listed as Din Grogu. So was, was he baby Yoda before it was confirmed Grogu? No, you know, they always referred to him as the child uh, because that's what the production before we got the name Grogu, the production would always um, refer to him as the child. So, but now he is Din Grogu on Wikipedia and I just love it because this is, you know, Din Djarin has already got one like Star Wars father of the of the millennia because there's really <laughs> not a lot of good Star Wars dads out there. But he is not even up to this point has he been an official dad. But now he is like he chose to make that relationship between him and Grogu permanent because of the love that he has for him and the love that Grogu has for Din Djarin. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was also a surprise that he is uh, Din Grogu. Uh, not um, Grogu Jaren. I, I didn't ever put any thought into Din Jaren's name. It rolls off the tongue a lot easier. Din Grogu? Yeah. I agree. Uh, yeah, I just thought that that was just a wonderful moment. And then, listen, I thought of that episode, remember back in fir- in the first season, where they travel to that planet where they meet Cara Dune, and it's this little fishing village, and they help teach them to defend themselves. And they had that one lady with the daughter and that episode was just so peaceful. And she even told him, look, you can stay here. You can settle down and give your kid a good life. That was the vibe I was getting at the end of the episode when they show Grogu pulling the little frog out of the puddle (laughs) that they have. And they got the little baby tree and a nice little cabin, quiet place. And Din Djarin's got his feet up. Just a wonderful, magical way to end this season. And I just wanted to hear what you guys had to think, what you guys think about it. So to your point of him, of that episode you brought up, Din Djarin said, yeah, I want to settle down, just not with you on a different planet I'd prefer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the armor was too uh, stuck to the old ways. They should have just baptized my boy Din Grogu. They should have done it. They should have let him take the creed and then put on his little helmet on with his uh, Flavor Flav clock exactly. under his uh, jacket. And then ride <laughs> off with the mythosaur into the distance. Oh, yeah, that's another thing we should talk about. But before we do, Luke, uh, what did you think about the whole adoption idea and um, the nice happy ending that they got at the end of this uh, season? I thought it was great. And I was glad that they went that way because while I was watching it, I was thinking like, okay, so for the next couple of seasons, are we just going to stay on Mandalore? and watch the political turmoil of building a planet from the ground up. Um, And I was okay with that. Um, But now we're back to adventures around the galaxy, and he's now on his journey with his dad. And I think that's great. And I'm glad you brought up the Mythosaur, because I think that the writers decided to get rid of the Darksaber because it was too big for Grogu to hold. And he is going to be the leader of Mandalore because he is going to ride the Mythosaur because he is 
a Jedi Mandalorian. Boom. Can I tell I, you how much I love that idea? And if it comes true or not, it doesn't matter. But there's story-wise, it makes a lot of sense because the Mandalore is the one that tamed the Mythosaur and created... Well, no, because uh, Tar Vizsla, right, was the one that created the Darksaber. But yeah, now he can have like a Yoda version of the Darksaber, the tame the Mythosaur, dark, and... The Dark Toothpick. <laughs> <laughs> The dark nunchuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we get a brand new version of a dark saber weapon. I don't know. Um, all I know is that I hope that we keep getting stories with these characters for years. Yeah. And the way that they left this season, um, we can, we can. It's wide open, wide yeah. open. So let's uh, let's finish off the episode then with our general thoughts, general thoughts on um, season three. Much different, much, much different than the first two seasons. But then again, the second season was very different than the first season, too. But the third season was way different. So I'd love to hear what you guys think now that it's done and the book is the book can be closed and put on the shelf next to the other two chapters. Now we have 24 chapter story of The Mandalorian. Um, What did you think? What did you think about the season? It's difficult to say you're going to swing for the fences and pull a Babe Ruth and point to the sky and not meet expectations. But I think at different points in this season, the ball sort of looked like it was going to just be a sack fly. But I think it hit the wall and was still a home run because of how much it covered, how many different things we saw, and how many different people were introduced but they didn't stray away from what everybody, one, wanted to see, and two, what they were really trying to portray and the story they were trying to tell. So I would absolutely go uh, and rewatch season three. Um, and for me, that's not that's high praise because I don't just go and rewatch something just for the sake of it. But I, I enjoyed it. Sure. Cool. Luke? Um, I, was, I was happy with it. I think it was... Uh... I don't think that it was as good as either of the first two seasons, but I still think it was very good. And it's not necessarily a knock to season three, but season one and two are just incredible. And I really enjoyed this one as well. And I like where it brought us. Um, I think that the journey there was a little bit rocky at times, but overall I still really liked it. And I think the finale... um, the finale made a lot of my issues with some of the episodes and some of the story points. I think it fixed a lot of it. Cool. Um, I too enjoyed it, but then again, you know, me and star Wars, I I'm going to enjoy, you know, if it says star Wars, it's uh, I'm going to enjoy it. That's just how I work. And I, one of the, the thing that I like best about it is what it did for the Star Wars galaxy on a big picture. Because we got more context. We learned more about the state of the galaxy, the New Republic, in this season than I think in any other Disney property for Star Wars. Like We got more um, of the status of the galaxy than we did in the three prequel uh, sequel movies. Um, more than... 
I mean, resistance did a nice job at that. Uh, but this was even more so like, I never would have thought that these quote unquote imperial warlords were actually, you know, part of a plan. Like they have, there is a certain sense of unity in this shadow council type of thing. And Thrawn is involved in that. And the new Republic is just really sort of dysfunctional in a lot of ways. And I really liked seeing that context of the galaxy being introduced because I think the only other place that we've really gotten that are through certain novels, which is, which are, which is great for the people that read the novels, but not everybody reads those books. Right. So they're not going to see, you know, why was the resistance a thing? Why wasn't it just the, the army for the Republic? Well, now we know they did not want, they didn't have a standing army. They don't have an army to defend because they didn't want to go down that road of the empire again. Now that makes sense why Leia had to break off and create her own organization. Uh, we've got Carson Tiva running around telling people, look, there's something big going on out there and you guys are not prepared for it. And that pays itself off in the, in the force awakens. Right. Yeah. So we get that context that I really enjoyed seeing that. And maybe it came at the expense of Din Djarin and Din Grogu because we did get less of them than the first two seasons. But then again, the whole, the whole scope of this season was not about Din and Grogu. It was about Mandalore. It was about bringing this people group together, which is the last point. Mandalorians now control Mandalore again. And that has huge, huge story ramifications going forward. And I'm excited to see what happens. Well, they rule Mandalore for now. It was very obvious that um, Moff Gideon had told the Shadow Council that he's on Mandalore. So if they're going to get pretty much radio silence from a dead uh, Moff Gideon, they're not just going to do nothing about it, you know? It's a good point. I would would assume that they're going to be met with some friction, but I wouldn't be surprised to see if they can gather more resources, continue to develop, and then defend it over and over like it's a UFC belt. <laughs> it's a good point. And remember, Mandalore is not just that planet. It's a system. So there's other yeah. planets there. So the other thing that they really didn't address is I'm not convinced that these are the only Mandalorians in play. They're, it's a big galaxy. And if Mandalore hasn't yeah. been a place for them to live... They've gone in other places, but if they see that they're Mandalorians back on Mandalore, you don't think that's going to start bringing people back uh, to that star system and, and to that planet. Um, surely there there were people that grew up there or that had family there that will want to return. So that's another interesting idea that could be uh, put out there in the future. So, all right, excellent. Any final thoughts? Anything last uh, last? to go over. Okay, cool. Uh, well, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed, uh, season three. So what is it? 2023. Um, John Favreau has said that the scripts for season four have been written, but there's been no official confirmation of a season four. I would be surprised if we didn't have one at this point, knowing that we have the Filoni, uh, movie out there. That's going to, you know, sort of the Filoni verse, the Filoni verse. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) so when, um, when will we see more? I uh, don't know, but if if it's holding to the 
pattern of previous seasons probably two years from now but we don't have to wait that much longer for more star wars because we've got ahsoka coming up in in um in august and i wouldn't be surprised to see maybe some of these characters pop up you never know you never know just be prepared for anything uh and then going forward for us you know we've got a a marvel series that's starting up in june and then some cool movies are going to be hitting theaters here really 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 quickly so we're going to tackle some of that stuff and see what else we can talk about on the way um but thanks again caleb thanks again luke for joining me to talk about the mandalorian and thank you all for listening we appreciate uh you taking the time we know that everybody's busy out there and to, to take some time to listen to us babble about some fun star wars or marvel or movie stuff we really appreciate it thank you all for your support and take good care of each other bye you can find the colby cast on twitter and instagram at the colby cast if you're wordy like me you can send an email to thecolbycast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is not endorsed by anyone or anything for that matter. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Colbycast, unless otherwise indicated. That'll do, donkey. That'll do.